Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we will discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at ENC McLaren. Subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen. Please also rate and review. On today's show, I'm going to be talking to Marissa and Jemmy from the Boston Herald to chat about training camp and take a look at the season ahead. Coming up in our second segment, as we're going to do every Tuesday, it's three up and three down, where we will examine some players trending in different directions. And third, we're going to take a look around the NHL. But first, let's get right to my chat with Marissa. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Marissa and Jemmy from the Boston Herald. Uh, welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. You're actually the first guest I've had on here. So thank you very much for joining me. And uh, how are you doing today? Doing great. And thank you very much for having me. Really excited to be the first guest. That's great. Um, yeah, so you have been uh, around training camp, obviously, the last couple of weeks. And it's a unique situation for this team starting off after a pretty devastating uh, Game 7 loss. And I said yesterday on the podcast that not a day went by the summer where I didn't think about that game. So I'm sure even more so for the players themselves. Uh, can you just describe kind of the vibe around training camp over the last couple of weeks and and how the team seems to be preparing to move forward from from that missed uh, opportunity that they had against the Blues. Yeah, since pretty much day one of training camp, the focus has been trying to get away from that. I think it was at the annual golf tournament, which was before training camp even opened, where Bruce Cassidy said, like, I hope this is the last time we're talking about this. And that's obviously not going to be the case. We're going to be talking about that all year. That's just the nature of it. That's where the narrative goes. So that is what it is. Mm-hmm. But they're trying really hard to just turn their focus away from that and focus on the new year. It's a lot of the same group that came back. So I think, if anything, some of the attitude is from everyone has kind of been like, oh, we got there before, so we can do that again. So that's generally kind of been the message from everyone. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be tough for them because they don't – those kind of windows aren't going to open the way they did last year. So I think they're all right. aware of that, but they're all another year of experience. They've all been there now, so – I think they're just really trying to take the positive from that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause that that's the third time some of these guys have been to the final in, in the last decade or so, or I guess mm-hmm. it's been eight years since the, the last cup and the missed opportunity in 2013. And now uh, 2019, it, it's just, you know, not, having those opportunities come up every year with Tampa mm-hmm. Bay getting bumped out and uh, Toronto not being able to finish the job against Boston in game six on home ice. It really felt like uh, to me anyways, that that was just everything had worked out so perfectly to have game seven even played on home ice. And I mean, I'm sure it's going to stick with, with them even just mentally as the season begins um, and until they get another crack at the playoffs. But um, it's good to hear that they're at least outwardly trying to trying to move past from that. Um, in terms of training camp itself, can you uh, talk about a couple of players that that stood out for you, either 
positively or guys that surprised you who didn't take take advantage of some opportunities that could have been there to crack the lineup? I think um, um, uniformly everyone kind of agrees that Charlie Coyle has been the standout guy at training camp so far. He's been great in the games, even during practices. Cassidy mentioned the other day just the way he's dialed in, how he's focused. And it's his first training camp was the Bruins. He was thrown into the mix last year and just like the season kind of didn't stop for him. It just snowballed. And all of a sudden he's in the Stanley Cup after being in Minnesota a couple of months before. So things didn't really slow down for him. And now he gets to start at training camp at home. He's from here. You may have heard. I, I don't know if anyone's talked about that. Before. <laughs> but so he's definitely been kind of the guy who stood out. Um, other than that, just like other guys like Bjork looks pretty good, but he did last year too. It's all about if he can get things under control on the ice. He's going to start in Providence, which is probably the right move just to the depth that they have, but he did look good and that's a positive. Uh, Jacobs Borrell on defense, where he's probably going to be that first call up on defense now. And that's something Cassidy said too about how when you have a team where all the roster spots are kind of set, the young guys are playing to be that first call up. And Zborrell definitely leapfrogged everyone because back in Ireland had some struggles that I think caught some people by surprise. So Zborrell definitely kind of took that spot as a top young defender. So those are kind of the guys that have stood out more than anything. We haven't gotten to see a lot of the veterans too much in game action because they were arresting them. So, I mean, last year Bergeron didn't play in preseason and he scored a hat trick to first home game. So I'm sure they're all going to be fine. Everyone's going to be around what you would expect from Right. That's that's really encouraging to hear about uh, Zboril, actually, because, you know, a lot so much has been made of that 2015 first round draft and DeBrusque has been the only one to hit so far. And um, it's really great to hear that at least Zboril is taking some steps forward. I know Zach Sinitian, he was he was kind of banged up coming into camp and he only I think he only got into one preseason game and he'll be starting the the season in Providence. Do you have any sense of what the outlook is for him that he's expected to to be up at some point this year? Or if it's if it doesn't happen this year, it's kind of well, what are we doing here? Or what's your sense about about Sinition heading into this season? Yeah, it's a tough case with him because he hasn't done much to separate himself from the other winger options that they have. And they do have a lot of options because on the the varsity roster itself, they have David Backus, who has had a very good preseason. And I'm not sure if that's going to mean anything, but it's given him kind of another chance, um, at least in the eyes of viewers, I think they're going to be a little more lenient after what they've seen from him. Uh, Brett Ritchie's in camp now. They can move over Corrali to wing, and they have Harland who can play center on that line instead. So they just have so many options there. And then you have Bjork and the Miners. They really like Paul Carey. They bring him up all the time. So he's someone that Don Sweeney brought up like a couple times randomly in the offseason, and Cassidy one day just went off about how much they like Paul Carey. So he's probably higher up on the depth chart. Even Stanika as a center, I think that they're happy with him and Trent Frederick and their progress. So I think they'd just be ahead of Seneshin and just get those opportunities. But yeah, I mean, one thing that might work in his favor is Peter Solarik's on waivers now. And I think that says a lot about where they view him on the depth chart. And I don't know how many more looks he's going to get or how many more opportunities he's going to get. So Seneshin might leapfrog him. But yeah, he hasn't done too much to separate himself from the pack to get much of a, another opportunity with the Bruins yet. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the wingers, I think for me, that's probably one of the biggest stories for the Bruins heading into this season. Like you mentioned, there there wasn't much turnover on the roster. And um, the fourth line seems pretty set with, even with Nordstrom out, there's 
three or four guys that seem destined for the fourth line. And then line two, you have DeBrusque and Krejci, uh, and then a question mark. And then third line, you have Heinen and Coyle, and then a question mark. Do you think that's kind of been uh, decided with, with Carson Kuhlman going on the second line, Brett Ritchie on the third line, it looks like? Um, do you think that is kind of a, a long-term setup, or um, are we going to have another kind of looking at head at the trade deadline where, where Don Sweeney is going to be looking for top six or, or top nine uh, guys to, to flesh out those those wing positions heading into the playoffs this year? Well, it's almost like last year where they had a training camp where they had a hole at third line center and they had three guys and for the back of Carlson, Frederick and Danica, and they were hoping one of them would claim it and none of them did. So they ended up going and getting Charlie Coyle, except for this time around, the guys you're relying on internally, I think are, I don't want to say more of a sure thing because nothing's a sure thing, but a better bet than hoping one of those young guys were going to step up. I like mm-hmm. the idea of Carson Coleman on that second line. I like his speed. I think he works well with Krejci and with Nebraska. And he has some scoring touch. He has a, a um, smart defensive game. I like his game overall. I think there's a lot of potential with Coleman. So he's the guy I would go with. And I think they're going to give him that opportunity at least to start the year. But we saw, what, how many different, like, 200 different line combinations or something absurd last year? Cassidy likes to shuffle things around. So I almost guarantee you, whatever it is opening night in Dallas, it's not going to be what it is a week later or two weeks later or in February. So it's tough to even have that debate. I think all the wingers are going to get that chance on that second line because I think they're curious to see what Richie does there. Because Krejci got hurt, they didn't have an opportunity to work out some of those chemistry things either, which I think is also a reason Kuhlman's going to get that first opportunity. Um, but I mean, Richie's a guy who has scored 16 goals in the NHL before. So I think they're going to give him more opportunities maybe than people might expect. And I think the idea that they have Lindholm who can play at center and he's looked really good at training camp. He's someone I should have brought up too, who has kind of stood out. I think that means he's going to, they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup and that could shuffle guys around as well. So, I mean, it's a gigantic who's to say at this point because they move things around all the time. And I mean, Again, I would go with Kuhlman because I like him as a top six forward, but who knows what they're going to do. I know, I don't know if um, there was a bunch of guys that, that were dropped onto the waiver wire today. I, I don't see the Bruins taking a flyer on, you know, like some potential scoring wingers like Daniel Sprong or Josh Hosang is a, a tantalizing name out there. But I, I think a lot of those guys were dropped because they're not kind of the – responsible two-way players that the Bruins really value. Do you, do you see them taking a look at anybody that was put on waivers today or, or this is the, the group that they're going to head into the, the regular season with, do you think? Yeah, I think this is the group they head into the year with. And if there's any changes, it's going to be stuff internal. Like Bjork's going to definitely get a look at some point. I'd like to see mm-hmm. him come out really strong with Providence. I think that would be a really positive sign because he's been good at training camp. But if he drops off in Providence, all of a sudden they have to worry about his mindset. So I think, if anything, Bjork's kind of would be that addition later on. Um, I, I'm just, I was looking at a waiver wire earlier. I didn't really see anyone who stood out to me. And I, I think they have a lot of depth already. It's just figuring out kind of the pieces to the puzzle, who they want to put where. I guess the other big story heading into the season is uh, the long-term future of, of Tory Krug with, with this team. It'll be... Uh, looking for a long-term extension or, or a big deal as a free agent. Uh, do you see that being rectified during the season? I don't know if they've if they've mentioned if they'll be negotiating at all during the season or 
if this is something that'll linger through the the deadline and into free agency how do you see that playing out with uh with Krug Krug mentioned a couple weeks ago we didn't have a hard deadline or anything like that but he would like some clarity now that they have Carlo all situated and McAvoy all situated that's kind of the only situation they have to get under control so I I don't think they're going to move Krug unless Mm -hmm. something horrific happens and they're out of the race by the trade deadline and there's just like an obvious move to make I don't think they want to move him If, if they're in the race he helps their team a lot so I, I, I don't think he would be moved this year. It's just a question of if he goes to free agency or not. And if right. he does, said before he's willing to take less money to stay in Boston, is that the case when he reaches free agency or is that only now? So they need to figure that out. Um, I don't think they move on from him. I think Krug ends up staying in Boston um, just because I have trouble believing they can't come to an agreement. He's such an important part of their team. And while they do have a lot of depth and they've been kind of grooming Matt Grizzlick to be that backup Krug as far as being a puck mover and working on the power play. I, I just think the team functions so much better with him. And we've seen now when he's been hurt before that I'd just be really surprised if they're quick to move away from him and they don't work and do the best they can to come to some sort of agreement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, I've, I mean, obviously I'd love to see him stick around long-term. If you look at their, the blue line right now, he's, he's already the highest paid blue liner he's only making 5.25 this year so I think they should be able to to have room based on the kind of team friendly deals that they have up and down the lineup David Backus excluding I guess but um, yeah I hope he's able to stick around long term as well Um, and then finally just a a general where do you see this team uh, finishing in the Atlantic this season Uh, do you think kind of the standings are destined to to replicate what they've been with Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and then Team X as a fourth from the Atlantic or a wildcard team? Or uh, where do you see the, the Bruins finishing and how far do you think they could go into the playoffs this year? I mean, obviously it's tough to say with uh, not knowing who will be there, but uh, yeah, do you think this team can contend again this year? And uh, where do you see them finishing? I think they can contend. I think it might be more difficult than kind of all the stars aligning like they did in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have power rankings coming out in the Herald on Thursday and print online on Wednesday where I have like everything. But I'm, I, I, I think it's going to look a lot like last year as far as Tampa, then Boston slash Toronto, who are destined to play each other every single year in the playoffs until the end of time. Yeah. And then in the rest of the division, I kind of like Florida this year. I think they're very interesting. I think they could catch some people by surprise. So I think they are worth keeping an eye on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Tampa and everyone else in the East kind of, I mean, you look at Washington too, but for the most part, it's in the conference, it's Tampa. And then Toronto, they're who they are. And the Bruins are basically the same as last year. So no reason to think they can't contend, but um, it's going to be tough with Tampa at the top again. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, I, I totally agree with you about Florida. I, I, I see them, uh slipping up into a playoff spot and I, I think it'd be pretty cool to see uh Tampa Florida in the playoffs and kind of kickstart that that rivalry it really that needs a, be cool. a playoff uh playoff vibe to to kick it up to an actual rivalry and I think yeah with Quenville and Bobrovsky and Barkov Ekblad maybe taking a step forward I think they're going to be a, a pretty tough uh team this year in the in the Atlantic for sure 
Well, um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Marissa, for, for joining me today on the podcast. I'm sure I will reach out at some point again during the season to to chat. Um, and uh, yeah, are you heading to Dallas for the season opener? Yes, I am. I'll be on that Perfect. entire trip. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, opener for the Bruins to go. I know they usually do a trip early on in the season, but opening in Dallas is kind of a... It's very weird. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the whole point of these conferences is to, or the divisions is to spark rivalries for the Bruins to head off to Dallas to open the season is, is odd, but I guess there certainly will be storylines around that with, uh, with Tyler Sagan in the mix there. But yeah, it's, it's really weird. Very weird. The whole trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and uh, coming up next as we're going to do every Tuesday, it's three up and three down where we're going to take a look at some Bruins trending in different directions as the season gets set to begin. Coming up before the end of the show, we're going to take a look around the NHL landscape. But for now, it's time for three up and three down, which will be a regular uh, Tuesday feature on the show. Uh, Marissa uh, and I, in our chat earlier, we we already kind of touched on some of these guys, but uh, here's my look at three Bruins who are trending in opposite directions. Uh, for three up, the first guy I'd like to mention is Charlie Coyle. As Marissa mentioned, all reports indicate he was one of the best Bruins in camp. Uh, he was great in the playoffs, a really valuable addition by Don Sweeney. And he should further benefit from uh, the familiarity uh, with, with, uh, with the team, his teammates, the organization, the system, as well as his pretty defined role as a third-line center. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a big season for Charlie Coyle. Hopefully not too big that he prices himself out of re-signing with the Bruins. But uh, if he does, you know, good for him and good for the Bruins. Uh, another guy I'm really high on heading into the season is Jake DeBrusque. He uh, had a hat-trick in a preseason finale, and I, I believe that he's going to push for uh, 30 to 35 goals this season uh, if he can stay healthy. Uh, playing alongside David Krejci in the second line. Uh, Carson Kuhlman will be starting up there to add some speed. And I think if he can uh, establish a presence in front of the net and get in those dirty areas, he's going to score quite a few. And he's, the one goal he scored against Chicago the other day was was really beautiful and showed off his, his skill set. So I think all of that combined, he's uh, really going to be a hit this year. Uh, the third guy uh, for me that's up is uh, Connor Clifton, or the man we call Cliffy Hockey. He's going to get a chance to start up with the big club uh, due to some injuries to uh, Kevin Miller and John Moore. Um, you know, I really didn't know much about him before he was called up last year, uh, but he impressed in the postseason. He, he's done well in, in training camp. Uh, you know, time will tell if he stays with the big club when all these injury guys get back. But he's doing everything he can to to be a Bruin and to stay a Bruin. And you know what? Good on him. He's entertaining. And he really fits to uh, kind of what you think of when you think of the Boston Bruins. As for three down, uh, the first guy is someone who's literally down in the AHL. And that would be uh, Anders Bjork. Um, I had high hopes for him coming into the season. I still do. I think he can be a, a valuable scoring winger on this team. Uh, he does need to spend some time in the AHL to kind of rediscover his uh, his scoring touch, to get some big minutes down there in order to do so. Uh, 
Um, so I'm hoping that that is a down, uh, downward movement for him just for a time. Um, another guy is David Backus. I mean, he did all he could in training camp and preseason to, to prove that he belongs in this team. Uh, but when it comes down to it, he's a $6 million player who is a bubble roster guy. Um, he avoided waivers for the time being, but um, and he benefited from off-season figure skating regimen. Uh, but he's still a very expensive depth player, fourth-line player, and he may not be able to keep up. And so I'm really interested to see what happens to him um, as the season progresses. And then the third guy down for me is Kevin Miller, um, a valuable physical presence on this team, a guy that was oft maligned on, on Bruins Twitter and for good reason early on in his time with the team, but who's really coming to his home. Uh, they made it far without him last year, but I think they could really benefit from his physical presence on the back end. Um, maybe he'll be dangled as a trade bait when he is healthy, but... Um, you know, I, I really wish him at least a, a speedy and full recovery from from the injuries that have kept him out for, for quite a while now. Uh, so that'll do it for three up and three down. That'll be a regular Tuesday feature here on Locked On Boston Bruins. A um, bit shorter than it might be in, in the future, but again, we touched on that a lot, uh, Marissa and I, in our conversation. Uh, coming up next, let's look around the NHL. And uh, the big story... Uh, on Monday was that so many players were uh, put on the waiver wire. A lot of notable names. I'm looking at a list that was released, uh, not released, but posted on Twitter by uh, Stephen Wino of the uh, Associated Press. And, you know, a, a few names jump out to me, uh, most notably Josh Hosang, Thomas Hickey from the Islanders, uh, Kristen Juice from the, the Capitals, uh, JT Brown, more just because I, I really like him as a person. Uh, follow him and his family on social media. They're, they seem like really great people, so I hope it works for, out for him. Uh, you have Sven Barchi from the Canucks. Boston's own Peter Solarik. It'll be interesting to see if he's scooped up or if he uh, slips through and is a sign of the Providence and is able to come up at some point. Um, and then Sam Gagne and the Oilers. Uh, Nicholas Patan from the the Maple Leafs, Kenny Agostino, who had a, a brief tenure with the Bruins a few years ago, and uh, Daniel Sprong is another guy that, that uh, sticks out to me as well as a, a very uh, dynamic offensive player, uh, but hasn't shown it in his own end enough to maybe stick around uh, for long looks with teams. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, Tuesday at noon Eastern time, whether uh, some of these guys are scooped up and if that kickstarts some movement elsewhere. Keep in mind, I think as Bob McKenzie mentioned on Twitter today, if guys do get through, it might make them more attractive to be traded. So uh, even if a player isn't claimed, it might mean that there's uh, a trade in the works as well. So hopefully there's some movement on that front as well because who does not love a good trade? So keep an eye on the waiver wire. Uh, we're one day closer to opening night, one day closer to teams having to have their final roster set and to get under the salary cap. Um, so uh, hopefully there's some movement here in the next couple of days because uh, that always gets Twitter going, gets Twitter riled up, and just is more fun for everyone. 
Coming up in tomorrow's show, I'll be opening up the mailbag for the first time, so please feel free to at me if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for the for the podcast. Thank you for joining me today on Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thanks again to Marissa and Jemmy from the Boston Herald. Please make sure to follow her on Twitter and to read all of her stuff because she is great, and I look forward to having her again on uh, at some point in the future. Again, I'm Ian McLaren. Find me online at ENC McLaren. And follow the show at LO underscore Boston Ruins. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm Ian McLaren. This is Locked On Boston Ruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care, friends.